Posterity. My guest for this episode is Alana Stewart, one half of the musical duo Banje. She's an amazingly talented woman who recognizes her roots as one third Jamaican, one third Grenadian, and perhaps one third complicated by the great white north that is the Canada of her upbringing. I want to get quickly into our long distance conversation, but let me open with some words about Jamaican language as language surfaces as the marker of home and homelessness throughout this chat. I defer to Carolyn Cooper's seminal text, Noises in the Blood, where Prof. Cooper explains the layers of power that exist within this tongue that has been called broken, patois, creole, bad English, and yes, Jamaican. The oral tradition, Cooper says, in Jamaica is conceived as a broad repertoire of themes and cultural practices, as well as a more narrow taxonomy of verbal techniques. The thematic repertoire includes diverse cultural belief practices such as religion, obia, mayal, etu, revival, kumina, spirit possession, entertainment and socialization practices, children's games, storytelling, rituals, tea meetings, and social dance, for example. The verbal techniques include the compressed elusiveness of proverb, the enigmatic indirection of riddle, and the antiphonal repetitions of oral narration that recur as set linguistic formulations in folktale, legend, song text, and performance poetry. Jamaican, the preferred language of orality, assumes the burdens of the social stigmatization to which the practitioners of Afrocentric ideology in Jamaica are continually subjected. Upward social mobility in Jamaica requires the shedding of the old skin of early socialization, mother tongue, mother culture, mother wit, the feminized discourse of voice, identity, and native knowledge. I start with Cooper's words because I want you to think about what language means what language means to you and to your identity, what language means to you and your nation, what language means to you and your personal and cultural history. I want you to think about what having access to multiple languages means for you and your multiple identities, the different personas that you put forward in different scenarios. Who we are is so tied up in how we sound. It's so tied up in the noise that we make. Now, because Alana makes beautiful music, let's just jump into one of her old hits and let that be the bridge between intro and convo. This song is called What a Gang, and it was released in 2011 on the Banjay album Bratopsy. 
You can purchase all of Alana's music via the Bandcamp app. And I invite you to take a listen and hear the noise that runs through her blood to form, to complicate, and to constantly reconstruct her identity through sound. You can hear me? Yeah. Excellent. I see that you are there. Hi, Alana. Hello, Isis. Do I call you Isis or Rhythm Writer? You know, you should call me by my name. <laughs> Which one should I call by? Don't call me Queen Ifrika. Just don't call me Queen Ifrika because I am not she. <laughs> Isis is great, right? <laughs> <laughs> But I'm ready to go. I am ready to go. I think we should just sing the whole thing. That's actually what my plan is. And you're just falling right into my web, baby. You're falling in my web. <laughs> so enjoy, enjoy this um, Anansi chat in, in the web, uh, the web for posterity. I love this. <laughs> oh my God. Why do I feel nervous? Well, um, I don't know, actually. Is this just how you generally feel? As uh, one half of Bon Jai, do you always feel nervous when you're recording your voice? No, but you know what it is? is um, it's you and, and in my mind, your Isis and your rhythm writer. And, and there's this cognitive dissonance that's happening because as a performer, there's this switch that gets turned on when you're doing mm -hmm. press or when you're doing something that's public facing versus private. And my brain doesn't know whether to have the switch on or off. So I keep going in and out of wanting to be like, yo, ISIS. So, you know, this ha thing happened versus so rhythm writer when I'm talking about my practice and da, 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 da. And I'm curious to hear which voice comes out and then listening back in future feeling like which voice is my truest voice? 
you see why you are like the the ideal guest to have on the podcast because you're always <laughs> thinking about the future, right? You're always thinking even in the moment, like what does this look like, sound like, feel like in the future? And that's not to say that you're not present, right? You're one of the most present people I know. Um, you're so aware of yourself in any given moment of your existence on the planet Earth. So, you know, big up yourself for managing that because that's a lot to manage to be fully aware of oneself at any moment. So thank you. So I'm just going to say thank you for doing that. Thank you for being that person. Mm -hmm. And thank you for joining me on this front facing, also backstage, um, also quiet space, also super loud, um, private and public space that is this podcast because you're my friend mm. and I love you. Oh, I love you. <laughs> no, it's an honor. And this is, you know, this is a good timing too, because um, this conversation is happening, happening at a point when I'm trying to be, um, I wouldn't say less aware, but not so hyper aware and um, just trying to be and just trusting all that that thinking, that deep thinking and all the work and letting that work just happen rather than actively, consciously um, drawing on it. Yeah, I understand. Well, well, what's, can you tell me, I guess, what's the difference now? Maybe what is happening now? Is this like a response to the pandemic? Um, is this just a new stage of, of life for you? But what is it that's pushing you to be less in the hyper mode and maybe more in a, I don't know, what would you call it? You can't say the word normal. I think that's definitely on the canceled list. Um, <laughs> and you can't say new normal either because that shit is dead. Yeah, man. It just irritates me, the new, the new normal. Everything is normal at any given moment. But I think at this given moment, what's at the forefront of my mind is um, less about the, the cerebral experience of the mind but more of like the the body's manifestation of what's happening in the mind and in plain terms it just means that i got sick and yeah um i think because of the the pandemic and all the the social and the spatial restrictions um i'm i'm by myself most of the time mm -hmm. I'm feeling more and becoming more, um, I was going to say I'm becoming more aware as I become less, <laughs> but just, I just, there's just shit I can't ignore, you know? Yeah. No, I think it's maybe that you're becoming more aware of yourself, but then also maybe more aware of what you can let go of. Yeah. 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 And I also think when you're in the middle of work, working on yourself or working on any kind of assignment, you're so focused on the outcome and striving for a particular outcome that you could you can become ignorant of what's occurring in the moment and forgetting that the process is part of it which feels kind of yeah. okay now because there's you know in the the goop era of wellness everybody's you know using language like process and mindfulness but I think for me, it's just, um, yeah, my body was giving me signs and I couldn't ignore it. 
Mm-hmm. So I had to yeah. listen. I had to listen to it. Well, how are you feeling today in that body? I feel good. My body feels good. My body looks good. Oh, mm, hello. <laughs> <laughs> the work. You do work. You do put in the work. You are the hardest working body woman I I know. So I am quite jealous. You know, I did try the trainer, but then the pandemic hit, and I was like, well. I don't know if I can really just be out there in the streets like that. You, you know, you'll get back on it. Also, I love that you called me a body, and I don't know what your line of questioning is, but because we're friends, and also just because of our natures, I know this conversation is going to go off the rails many times. <laughs> you called me a body girl, and just the other day, I was looking up alternate spellings to bad gal instead of uh, B-A-D-G-Y-A-L as thing of yeah. and discover the word body which is dealing with sexual matters in a comical way humorously mm. and in that way I mean that is me <laughs> humorously absolutely <laughs> yeah. humorously sexy <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay, back to back to what you what you have planned to chat about. So let me get, let me play this game with you, which is as I said, it's called um, Choices for Posterity. Still mm. working on a new title, and I want to give you some similar or not similar, somehow grouped things, and you're going to choose. You've played like what's that game called? Would you rather? Oh yes. Yeah. So maybe it's like that. Maybe it's not, maybe it's just choices and you have to pick one. So I'm gonna name three things um, and then you're going to tell me which one you want. You don't have to tell me, like, it's not like that kill, kiss, marry or whatever that thing is. It's, it's just choose the one that, that stands out for you in this moment. Okay, you ready? This feels like a quiz, but okay, yes, I'm ready. It is, it is like a quiz and there will be correct answers. So good luck. Okay. All right, river, beach, or hot bath. This is me knowing that you are in Canada and you wish you were in Jamaica. Mm. So I'm sorry. But river, beach, or hot bath. But this is also this is also you talking to a Pisces Virgo rising, which means that I'm gonna feel with my body, but then I'm gonna overanalyze every single option. And wow, it sounds Okay, so river, beach, or hot bath. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a little bit of context? Like, what's what's the emotionality of the day? Is this the spelling bee quiz where I'm supposed to give you like it's used in a function, like a sentence, and all that other stuff? <laughs> I don't have any context. It is today. Today, do you want river, beach, or hot bath? Mm, today, right now, not a hot bath because it's a summer's day, and I had mm. a felt silk already I would say oh on a day like today you know what I could use the peacefulness of a river oh I like that the peacefulness of a river mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you for that answer and thank you for sharing your zodiac astrological information because I have been diving into that space myself mm. and I know that I am Oh, oh gosh, do I know what I am? I think I'm Virgo Aquarius rising. Of course you are. Oh, of, of course. So you the people meet me as Aquarius? Is that what happens? Well, 
you're pretty independent minded at times yes <laughs> uh, i'll i'll analyze you offline <laughs> oh yes please we'll get back to that okay next in the game of choices so the three words i have for you are representation presentation or frustration mm. which resonates with you right now mm. it could be about you or about your music um yeah representation presentation or frustration mm. well i'm gonna say that you know I am experiencing some frustration with the presentation mm. performance of, of life right now. I think that representation is what okay. will resonate with me. You said the performance of life? Yeah. Wow. What does that mean? Well, social media, how you, how you contextualize yourself, but also in the context of, you know, being in Canada a country that prides itself or markets itself by its multiculturalism and its ethnic diversity, like demographically, it's ethnically diverse, but culturally and socially, it's still pretty monochromatic. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm experiencing the frustration with the pre the presentation, <clears throat> excuse me, of that, of that trait that we identify ourselves with. And, and I'm more about representation. Okay. Okay. I'm thinking too now about what you were saying earlier um, about lush life and how it was a representation of living in cities. When did you build that album? And how do you think about living or yeah, city life now? Hmm. That's interesting. I've never thought about that. Um, I mean, we started some of these songs are 10 years old. We started writing the record about 10 years ago, maybe mm -hmm. more. And um, at that time, Ian was working as an economist for, um, Ian is my bandmate in Bonjay. And yeah. he was finishing his master's and working as a research assistant for this, uh, I won't name the person, for an academic um, whose focus is on cities, what makes a, a city economically successful, and many of the traits had to do with um, the culture, like what we, what we would identify as like <clears throat> contemporary hipster culture, if it's ethnically diverse, if, you know, there are bike lanes and coffee shops and places that artists can intermingle with, then you know, you have all of the ingredients for what essentially is gentrification. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of that, that, that theoretical framework for a successful city <clears throat> was top of mind. And, um, and me being the child of, of immigrants and even in, you know, having a critical mind and thinking about, okay, well, what, what does a city feel like on the ground, not in a textbook? What does it feel like when you walk through the space mm. um, you encounter when you go into the shop? Or um, who are you actually sitting beside uh, on this public, on public transportation? What does it look like? 
it was incongruous with the theoretical and what was being marketed and um and you know being people driven we just we weren't like oh we're gonna come up with this rebellious album that's really gonna show you what it's like to live in the city you think you know cities no Bonjay knows cities we're just, mm. we're just writing about what we knew you know and our studio was in um former little jamaica at the time and so um most of our studio breaks was at the Ital restaurant around the corner, which is across the street from the subway. And um, I would get my hair cut at the barber shop by Barry. And uh, I would, you know, hear them chatting in Patois and their stories, the Jamaican barber was not, was not made, was not included in this book by this academic who talked about what cities look like. And I want to make sure that people like Barry or people <clears throat> at the Ital restaurant or the security guards coming from their overnight shift um, on the subway that they were included. Um, and I think that I'm wondering if, <clears throat> excuse me, that picture that that um, those interactions that we had back then still exist today i think so yeah i think i think they i think that they do um and i'm just taking my time to feel it out because i'm i'm just wondering if if it's something that i take for granted hmm. um if i'm still paying attention to them right i mean from what i'm hearing about how you're understanding or how you were thinking about cities as you created Lush Life, it does um, reveal a lot of sound element, right? That, that cities are sustained by sound or cities are created by sound, right? And so who is silenced, right? In terms of your academic um, comparison, who's being you know, silenced in the telling of the city story? And so even as you talk about being in a studio, making music, um, in a space across the street from um, an ITEL shop that's where people are talking in Patwa, and then it's under or across from a subway that makes a particular sound as well. Cities are sound, right? Mm -hmm. Cities are sound spaces. Um, you know, you don't expect silence necessarily in a city. And here we are, right? Here we are in these trying times. That's an overused phrase. Um, in these difficult times, that's an overused phrase. But here we are in a pandemic where we were forced to stay in and in a way it quiets the city, right? You walk down these streets and, or at least one could walk down streets in March and April and be in very silent spaces, um, spaces void of the people that you make music for and about, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious now, I guess, about how your music will perhaps shift going forward as you perhaps have been in the imagining space of wondering what's happening, what sounds are create, being created behind doors, um, what are people doing now in, in the silent city, mm. right? The sound is always going to be there and maybe the sound shifts even further in from the city street into the interior space of the, you know, the head of the mind where people are 
doing what you have been doing, right? That kind of hyper awareness and hearing the self over and over and singularly, right? It's only my one voice I hear. What sound does my head make? Um, and how people have, in a way, been filling their homes with the sounds of other voices, playing podcasts, um, you know, on a, on a stereo system of some sort so that it could sound like there are people in the, in the home that would otherwise be missing because we're in a pandemic and we're supposed to be keeping social, human, physical distance. So it's really, you know, it's really interesting, right? What we've been going through, what we've been asked to do, what we've been forced to do, what we've chosen to do, and what some of the people have chosen not to do because it, it didn't sit well with them. Because as you know, you're saying, cities aren't really silent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the self isn't. So, I, I mean, I, I really like how, how you've explained the lush life, right? And is there, it just raises for me this question of, will there be anything lush coming soon, right? From city spaces um, as they are now being reimagined, as these city spaces are being reimagined. Well, it's funny. Um, I mean, everything that you just mentioned resonates, um, resonated with me because it got me thinking about your question of how, how has um, essentially, if we were to, if Bonje were to re recreate or make a lush life album about the way we live in cities today in 2020? I'm sorry, are you suggesting that there's going to be a lush life dub? I'm there for it. <laughs> you just suggested it, and now it has to. No, yo, it has to. Yo, yo, it's happening right now. <laughs> it has to happen. No, but it's not. Would the stories be the same? And and hearing you say that and reflecting on um my my own reflection on, you know, am I taking those voices, am I taking those sounds for granted? One, no, I don't think so. We just wrote a song um called Small Achievers. I mean, we actually started writing it before the pandemic. Um recognizing it is you know <clears throat> a city's success is a cumul is the cumulative effort of many quote unquote small people the people that yeah. bury the 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 barber and lucy the laundromat owner and not just service workers but just people who aren't celebrated but are doing dope shit every day you know we know those people we are those people you know yeah um so we're still we're still doing that but i think that because you know we're traveling and because um we're visiting different cities and we don't have that same regular those those small interactions that build a relationship we have to make a can the two of us have to make a more concerted effort to be aware of who's being silenced mm -hmm. you know, in the age of a pandemic, what are we filling our silences with, you know? And before with, with Lush Life, um, I think we were more consciously drawing on different influences, even sonically, we were hyper aware of the fact that dancehall is a forever love of of mine and a love of Ian's and he loves orchestral soul. I love Feist and he loves Timbaland. And we studied that music 
um, to understand the different ingredients that went into those sounds. And then we kind of mixed it in our own way and applied and discarded um, to come up with our own sound. Now, mm-hmm. for me, in the age of the pandemic, when I have peace, when I have time, when I have silence, when I have space, it feels like a reverse process where instead of actively looking for influences and inputting them into a sound, now I just sit down really the way I did early, early, early in my career when I didn't know anything about production. I had to try stuff to then find out what the influence was because then mm. manifest itself in the sound and the knowing would manifest itself in my body where I would feel that pang in my gut that would tell me, yes, that's the right move. Or if my body would move or, or rock or sway to the music in a way that felt natural, in a way that I would on a dance floor, then that would tell me, yes, I'm on the right path rhythmically. Whereas with Lush Life, I think it was like, okay, this BPM is, is 93 to 95 is a classic dance hall um, BPM beats per minute, which is the tempo. Um, now it's like, I just sit down and I just start making music. Yeah, it's less formulaic now it's and less, more natural. It's exactly, it, you know, it's, it, it's exactly that. And um, it's, it's, it's almost like <laughs> it's less about me making the music. It's like the music is making me, you know, and I, and I learn about, um, I get to know what I've learned. I get to know what resonates uh, based on just trying something and, yeah, just feeling a feeling. Just yeah. And being vibes driven. So all vibes of the city, um, I guess we just have to make more music and see and see what stories come out. Right. Yeah. See whose silence is unsilenced. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to more of that. So let me slide into my next uh, choices for posterity. Um, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You want one that's a little bit more, I don't know, potentially whimsical? Who knows? We will go with smartphone, microphone, or ET phone home. Yo, microphone. Wow. Always. Always. Yes. Over smartphone? Yeah. I don't, I'm not really one for modern technology. I grew, I grew up <laughs> a Luddite. So actually I'm going to get a landline. So that I can have my phone today. I'm serious. Nice. <laughs> oh gosh. And how come no ET phone home? I mean, I'm kind of an alien, you know, but um, yeah, I like I like Earth and I like where I I like my life. So I'm not uh, I'm not looking to visit any other planets right now. Not at this moment, okay? Because they're working on the option, so you know. Maybe, maybe in a couple of years you can hop that flight. Work that shit out before they Please. On me. Exactly. Okay, microphone. All right, I like that one. All right, so how about this one? It's in a similar similar vein. Sing, chat, or produce? Mm. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Since you can do them all, right? I mean, tell the people. <laughs> I can do it all, baby. Let the church rejoice at this. Mm-hmm, yes. 
produce because you can sing and you can chat while you produce. You know, Alana, listen, you have cheated twice now. <laughs> I, I let it I let it slide the first time with your, well, you know, I'm frustrated by the representation, therefore I present such and such. Okay. I let that one slide, but here you go, well, you know, as a producer, you can sing and chat. That is called cheating. No, it's called it's called greedy. Craven. And being honest and thorough. I mean, it's okay. true for me because okay, for real though, when I produce, when I learned how to produce, well, even now, I can't find the sounds that I'm looking for. And so I just sing them or I I I guess for lack of a better term, I beatbox them. Mm -hmm. And it's good, so I keep it in. It's like Timbaland. Timbaland, he mouths all the production and and so some, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can see how that's a little bit of a stretch because, you know, you're talking about singing melodies or chatting. I sure as shit can't chat. I <laughs> do it in my own way. And I've gotten away with it in Canada because like a predominantly white indie audience is not going to call me out on my bad Patois accent. I mean, I could speak, mm. but you could tell that I'm, Definitely, I definitely didn't grow up in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So why don't we why don't we why don't we take a moment and look at some of that, right? So you said that you won't be called out on chatting in the Canadian space. So how? Not by white people. Basically. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you think you would be called out for your dancehall expression in the Jamaican? Sonic space? Let me tell you that is my greatest, it used to be my greatest insecurity before I went to Jamaica for the first time, I guess three and a half years ago now. Mm -hmm. And I was, I still haven't performed in Jamaica for that reason. It's hmm. I don't know, I don't know if Jamaica would hear Jamaica in my music. And so I was too afraid to bring it there for the longest time and i haven't really found except in equinox until i met equinox i didn't really hear a musical peer like a direct musical peer mm -hmm. but when i would play my music for people in jamaica it doesn't like there isn't this overthinking of okay what's the genre how do you categorize it unless it's like People are deep in the industry and thinking about how they're gonna they would market the sound. It's do you feel it or do you not? That's the most important, and I think that that's how any art should be experienced. Does it mm -hmm. really or does it not? But I was just I was insecure about being called out, okay. being Jamaican enough, and well, um, so I'm thinking about what you're saying and thinking about dancehall music as as a genre of critique, right? These days, well, really in the last like five years strong, 10 years more broadly, how, you know, the internationalization of dancehall music, the, the way that it's been um, co-opted by others, you know, all of the different conversations that have happened regarding dancehall, what's being called dancehall music and how people who are not living in and born of Jamaica, how they're, um, benefiting economically from it, so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. 
that's not the question I have for you, but it's related to that. And it's related to what you were saying before as well. And so the question is, um, is more about voice. So for you, is dancehall music more decided by voice or by rhythm? Because if you're, 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 what you've expressed in terms of anxiousness or concerns or nervousness has been based on voice, not based on you know, concerns that the rhythm is wrong, right? You, you said before 93 to 95, you know, you, if you get that BPM, you're good. You know, that's going to be in, in, the, in the proper space timing wise, but the concern you had or the nervousness you have was that you wanted to, maybe you silenced yourself in the Jamaican musical community because of voice. That breaks my heart hearing you say that, hearing you <laughs> back to me. I silenced my voice in the Jamaican space. Why would I do that? You know, it happens, but this is why. Here's why, maybe. Is it because, is it because dancehall music, reggae music, music that is thought of as specifically and uniquely Jamaican, if it doesn't have what is thought of as a classically, traditionally Jamaican voice, then is it Jamaican or not? You know, is it, is it rhythm or is it voice? I've, I've raised this question to students of the reggae poetry class, right? I'd say, look, if you take a Bob Marley song, right, you know Bob Marley's voice. It's like known worldwide. You hear that voice? Oh, there goes Bob Marley singing those songs. <laughs> and, you know, he's singing on these rhythms, these beats, these this, whatever. But if you take that and put it over like some like death metal, take his voice, separate it from the rhythms that you're accustomed to hearing with his voice, take the lyrics, take the voice and put it over some death metal. What mm. do you call that? Mm. Do you call that the death, like death metal? Or do you call that reggae? Mm. And, and every time I pose that kind of question, students are like, well, it and that's the, but the kind of the farthest that they go with it is that there's like a confusion now because it's Bob Marley, so it can't be something else. And there's a, there's a hesitance to say that voice is really what is at the heart of the music, that it's voice driven, right? And so when you have Jamaican artists um, outside of this country of Jamaica, they're called reggae artists, whether they're making reggae or not, they're called reggae artists because their voices are Jamaican and Jamaicans do reggae. If you sound like this, whatever's coming out of your, your whatever's on your album must be reggae. If you sound like this, whatever's on your album must be dancehall. And it's not about your rhythm. It's about your human voice and how it comes out of your body. So I've been so, this because I've been, I've developed a new obsession with chronics. <laughs> Chronics who look, look, I'm putting this on the record for posterity. I totally, totally hear Smokey Robinson whenever I hear Chronics. What? I don't know. Maybe I'm nuts, but there's something about the way he does the falsetto and some of the the ooey kind of sounds that sound so born from Smokey Robinson. Mm, I would have to, I would have to, um, I opened for Smokey Robinson when I was a a teenager. Get um, You're amazing. You're amazing. <laughs> Let the people know, Isis. Let, the- Let me say now, on the record for posterity, <laughs> that if ever there was a talented woman, a body gal, <laughs> it would be Alana. <laughs> no, edit this part out. Edit, edit my part Never. Out. Never. No, okay. So I'm going to get to your question. Just follow me for a second. Okay. I've been obsessed with chronics as of late and 
Um, every morning when I do my morning stretches, I want music that will uplift without overwhelming. And I think that his his music, his music does that, you know? It's light, but it's not, it's not frivolous music. And part of that is his voice. He can sing on top of a mediocre rhythm and a song that's like, okay, with what's this, what's that redheaded guy's name again? Is that redheaded now? Ed Sheeran? And he could make the song so much better just on just based on how he how he uses his voice. And what I love about Chronix's music the most is the vocal production and all the different cadences he can fit into one song without it sounding manic, or the fact that he can go from a tender falsetto to like um fast chat kind of thing and it still sounds like him it still resonates and it still sounds it just fits naturally in in whatever rhythm he's on and that is i feel like his unique identity is that vocal production and that vocalese but and so i've been reflecting on that because his voice can fit on different sounds he still sounds like himself and because he's Jamaican, it makes the music Jamaican. With regards to my voice, if we're talking about voice as identity, I don't have that same security. So my insecurity in the acceptance of my music in Jamaica is the insecurity of Jamaica's acceptance of me as a person, as somebody who is claiming to be Jamaican. And for the record, I'm only half Jamaican. My mom is Grenadian. And I was... Canada, mm-hmm. and you talk to any second or third generation Canadian, and we have an undying identity crisis because in Canada, if your skin is not white, then you're asked so many times, Where are you from? And depending on the day, I like to fuck with people. I'm like, I'm from Canada. And they're like, yeah. No, but where are you really from? And I'm like, I'm from Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. And they're like, no, but, and we all know what the question is. Where are your parents from? Because you're not fucking from here, right? Because your skin's not white. So it's making yeah. right? So when I went to Jamaica for the first time, I was just like, okay, well, if I'm not Canadian and I'm coming to this place, if I'm not from considered Jamaican, then where is my place in the world? Where does my voice? In. And musically, mm. I don't have that insecurity. I mean, you if you listen to my music, you can hear that I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm not for yeah, pop yeah. success, you know? Like, I have the ingredients and I could if I wanted to. I've done the commercial thing. But if for, for me, really, music is a practice. And, you know, I know about the music business. And so I know how to strategize whatever it is that I create. But when I'm in the studio, it's really it's really about the music. It really and truly is. And like nobody nobody else's opinion or anything like that comes into play. I feel secure there. But when it came to Jamaica, I didn't know how I'd be received because in Canada, um, when I went to a predominantly Jamaican high school, um, I was called white because of how I speak. Mm. And you know, I tried to do the quote-unquote black thing not consciously but I just you know you're you're influenced by the people that you're around and at that time 
the expression of Jamaicanness was pretty particular. And even though I was living with my Jamaican father, um, my Jamaican reference was very male and very old school. And so didn't know mm-hmm. the, the, I didn't know modern Jamaican patois or slang. I didn't, I didn't know how to chat properly in patois. Like I could read it, I could write it, I can speak it, but not with an accent that would indicate that this is part of my everyday. And so I think that that insecurity has always carried with me because, you know, it's one thing for me to grow up in, in Ottawa and be asked, you know, where are you really from? And for white people to ostracize me, that's fine because, um, they're just seeing me as different and I, and I, and it's not surprising why, but to be rejected or to be ostracized by people that you consider to be your people. And as a teenager, I mean, as an adult, I'm like, whatever. But as a teenager, right. it's just like, you want to fit in. And I just, I just couldn't fully fit in. And I think that that stuck with me. So when I went to Jamaica, I was like, which Jamaica am I going to encounter? Is it going to be the older men who, you know, I would spend hours and hours with in the auto body shop and at the barber shop and feel completely at home with, or would it be the younger Jamaicans who would remind me how not Jamaican I was. And so that's the security that, that I was bringing. It wasn't the music. I know that my music is good and I trust my artistry, but would I be welcomed and would I be understood and I think that um, having spent more time in Jamaica, I, it doesn't, I don't need that validation. And Jamaica doesn't owe me anything, you know, so I, I don't look for it. And my, my unique voice is um, Jamaican music is it just the industry and music culture there is based on innovation and not being a fala fashion and doing your own thing. And so the fact that I'm different is, is a benefit, you know? And I'm, I'm coming around to the answer of your question. But an, important, <laughs> a, an important lesson I think that I learned came from a surprising, I shouldn't laugh, came from a surprising influence. It came from Ninja Man. And um, mm-hmm. I, I interviewed him, um, just as I, you know, I was interviewing many artists, my first visit, just trying to get an understanding of what is, what makes Jamaican music, what it is, could I possibly fit in, et cetera. And I communicated this insecurity of, you know, making music that's influenced by dance hall, but not being fully Jamaican. And his advice to me was, if you mix the Jamaican with a Canadian, and you know how to flow it, you run circles around everybody. So forget, he said, forget that you're a, a Canadian. Tell yourself you're a Jamaican and you DJ Jamaican, the Jamaican way. And he was just yeah. encouraging me to be myself. Yeah. And that was freeing, you know? And so um, when I go back to your question and think, okay, well, if I'm bringing, if I'm going in and out of singing, and in in and out of chatting, in and out of accents, what makes my music dancehall? 
is it only when I'm chatting in Patois or is it when I'm singing in a, in a standard English accent on a rhythm? Which one is dancehall? And I think about a producer that I ran into um, who claimed somebody didn't know what dancehall was. And I said, how do you know dancehall? And he said, you have to live it. And so it's hard to answer your question because you could be, I could be singing a soul song on top of a straight four to the floor beat. But the way I make music in my mind, I'm fucking dance hall through and through. And nobody would be able to hear mm -hmm. it based on the music that I'm doing. And I'm not trying to be clever. I am dance hall through and through. How I approach music, my mindset, nobody can fuck with me. Nobody's better than I am. I'm not trying to be like anybody else. It's an attitude. And that's something that I've always made music with. And that's something that became apparent when I was in Jamaican, Jamaican studios when, where it's, it's uh it really does feel like an an energy um and the reason why i bring that up is because um i was really struck being in so many different studios around the city beanie, beanie man studio and anchor studios and running into um king jammy and and hearing how he produces for people who care about names and, and knowing what kind of studios I'm in. Um, I was struck by learning about the production process because how they produced, how they used technology, how they talked about sounds, how they recorded was how I did it. But I had never met them before mm -hmm. and I had never been in studios before. <clears throat> and for me, it, it taught me that process can be taught through sound. And it I don't know I don't know how to explain that, but just the fact that I grew up listening to music and that informed my practice. And then I went to these studios in the place where the music originated and they also had the pro they also had the same process. The only common link that we had was the music. And so it just it just reinforced the fact that it's a I think what makes dance hall what it is is a culture and um that is kind of like it's uh, broadcast through, I don't know, I guess process and culture is broadcast through the music. And I don't know how um, that gets translated into the actual production process, but it happens. Um, so I think that voice is more identity and voices, ethos and voices, attitude. Um, and I don't just mean that in a poetic way, just based on my experience and everything that I just shared. It's just fact yeah i mean I, I guess i mean i totally appreciate that response um and how thoughtful it is and certainly it does make me wonder you know from a kind of research perspective what would other producers or producers of other genres of music what would they say right um my my assumption is that there would still be that same level of confidence um so, but just, you know, just kind of curious though to know, um, but definitely respecting the connections that you found and that do exist, right? Between um, yourself and 
Jamaican creators of music, right? Because you are you are also a Jamaican um, creator of music. But there's something in there that I really wanted to, I guess, just dig into a little bit more um, with regard to voice and identity and wondering whether or not, um, whether voice is the right word or if it's about language, right? Um, you know, like the dexterity of language and how one, as you know, Ninja Man said, said you move between the two. Because if you think about um, someone like Drake, who gets, you know, is consistently dragged for using multiple languages, multiple ways of speech, um, multiple voices, you might say. And everyone's like, dude, you know, that's not a voice that you have access to. Stop using it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be taking that voice and expressing it through your mouth. That's not yours. And then with the latest um, use of Arabic um, on that freestyle, it's like, Drake, that's not cool. Like, what are you doing? But then, of course, people in the Arabic community are like, yeah. yay, representation matters for us, right? So it's just interesting to hear um, about voice and to think about artists, right? People who use their voices for their work, right, for their profession. Um, and then to hear how they're considering their own voices, how you're considering your own voice, and how, you know, again, someone like Drake is using a multitude of voices and how the question of identity is what we circle back to. And so with, with that all on the table um, and thinking about your existence in a particular black mm -hmm. woman body, right? In, in Canada, yet you're saying that, you know, it's voice that would be, be your point of contestation, right? So that, the, that classmates in high school would say, um, you're white. And it's like, you have this black woman body, but your voice says that you're white. And then um, white people in Canada, seeing your, your black woman body, they, they ask you to clarify your point of origin. And then you returning to, or sorry, coming to Jamaica and knowing what your voice sounds like, um, knowing you know, what passport you traveled on. Um, you enter the space of Jamaica with a kind of nervousness about using your voice or expressing your voice either musically or on the street. Um, for concerns that, you know, this won't be, this won't mark you as um, having a Jamaican identity. And so with all of that, I want to kind of now take you to Africa, right? Because you went to, you went to Cote d'Ivoire, right? And I had a conversation with you um, leading up to your, your um, arrival in um, the Ivory Coast. And one thing that you said you would want to do is to have someone on the ground there that would be able to speak better French than mm -hmm. you speak, right? So this is language, this is not voice, right? So that wasn't a, hi, I'm Alana and I'm going to Africa and I'm worried that I won't be recognized as African. But there's a you know, concern about communication and language. And I said, but you know some French. And you said, but not enough, right? And I wonder if there's a, a way that this is all kind of connected, right? That there's a, um, you know, you know, old school Jamaican language, but new school is not your space. And so there's a um, identity shakeup that happens because you aren't fully um, fluent in the language. Um, and then to go to Africa, what was that experience like, especially using a language that is still a colonial language, right? And having to use that colonial language as your point of communication um, with people that, you know, on the very superficial face of it look mm -hmm. like you, mm -hmm. right? 
So identity, language, voice, what's going on and how can any of us really fit? You know, how did you feel with your voice in, in that space of being on the West Coast of Africa? Well, mm, with respect to language, um, well, something I, need, I, should, I should bring up as well is that um, my band Bonje was invited to be one of the bands to rep that represents Canadian culture um, of of the African diaspora at this showcase. So we're being I don't want to use the, the word par uh, paraded because that has a negative connotation, but we're we are being showcased as a demonstration of the breadth of creative expression across the African diaspora um, out of Canada. And uh, we decided that we wanted to do something different than our usual music set. And we had an opportunity, we were invited to, to think more expansively about our practice. And so we invited um, our friends Equinox to join us. Equinox out of Kingston, for people who don't know, um, they're described as a forward-thinking dancehall collective. Gavin um, Gavin Blair was on an earlier episode of, of For, Post For Posterity. Pro yeah. Um, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and um, that was interesting because we were both out of our elements. And so suddenly, you know, whereas in Jamaica, I would think of them as, I guess, more secure in their, well, yeah, more secure in their identity or knowing more about dancehall because they're from Jamaica. They'd be like the, um, the default experts, you know, culturally. In West Africa, we were all out of our elements, even though it's a, it was a black country, because of the language barrier, um, we assumed a particular potential cultural barrier. But yo, I found two things. One, my French is excellent. And I could French West <laughs> Africa alone if I needed to. And I could negotiate well enough. And I could develop film. I could, you know, buy stamps. I could order food and get around the city. And I found that the less, the less I tried to translate, the more that I just let language flow was the easier the communication. And it's not as though my vocabulary yeah. improved that way. It just, I think um, there was just an, e there was an ease with which um, communication flowed. And I think with that, an energy flowed and you can kind of just, you can kind of just feel out the situation and infer what was going on based on expression. And mm -hmm. evidence of that was fucking Gavin and Jordan full on making friends with people. They don't speak like of French mm -hmm. except for maybe bonjour and merci. But like they were fully, they found, I can't remember her name, this woman who went off to find like a particular kind of sandal that Gavin was looking for. He found sculpture okay. that made him a custom sculpture. Sculpture, Gav, uh, Jordan was making friends with 
um, staff at the hotel and most of it, most of it was because they're mm -hmm. from Jamaica. People would, they were from, mm. they'd say Jamaica and there was this understanding that I, and I you know, like mm. cultural understanding trumps language, I think at the end of the day, that's what that, that's what that taught me. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. To see yeah. how, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing myself as I'm talking about it. I haven't really thought about it. Um, and I'm, I'm so curious to listen back to this in like 10 years. Does <laughs> cultural expression, does culture um, trump language? Because isn't language culture? An expression exactly, of culture. Exactly. Formal, right. codified yeah. um, language uh, that's been documented and vetted by whom? And like, and you know, mm -hmm. do we have any say in how it was formed? I think that um we can bypass that if we create something that's meaningful enough um that resonates with other people it's its own kind of language well i mean i think i think that of course that has to be the case right this is why people can enjoy music from all parts of the world whether you understand it or not right this is why when i put on burn a boy i'm like yes and i'm like i have no idea how to translate what yeah. he's saying in some yeah. of the songs, but I'm singing along and I'm feeling it, right? It's the same way to go back to the Bob Marley use before, you know, this is why people can sing a full Bob Marley song and know no English and know no Jamaican, but they can feel the music, right? This is why people can listen to your music and feel your music. This is why I listen to your music and can feel mm -hmm. your music, um, whether you're speaking in English or if you decided to make up a language and put that on, on the record as well, yeah. right? Um, this is why scat works, right? This is why scatting is a thing, is because it's not necessarily about the word as much as it is about the communication. Yeah, no? yeah. And even like there's music, but I, I would also argue, well, not argue, when I reflect on watching Gav and Shanique and Jordan talk with people on the street, it was m m much of it yeah okay saying that they were jamaican wasn't in and i don't think that they used that as an in they were just asked where they were from but when i think about i have it on video when i think about um them negotiating or them talking with people there's just an ease in body language and i think that that communicates a certain kind of trust with the other person and that just opens up it, it opens up the kind of um, nonverbal communication that makes connection as well. And I- So what was it like for you though? For me, I was, I was fascinated because, watching yeah. it. And for me, my comfort level, um, like I said, my comfort level with my French would depend on the situation. And that would depend on my comfort with the other person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was a lot more heady it seems for you moving through the space than how it is that you are, you saw um, your fellow visitors moving through the space or your fellow yeah, travelers. I think part, of, part of it was, I felt a responsibility. I invited, I invited Equinox. I, I encouraged my bandmate. We had a tour manager and I felt responsible for people to make sure that they were taken care of. Mm -hmm. And so 
I didn't want to fuck up the translation and I didn't want to get us into trouble. And you know, it, yeah. it put me into this hyper aware, this hyper aware state. But um, mm-hmm. when everybody left and I was there by myself for a day before flying out, um, that last day was, so, it was so easy. It was easy. Mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. to, you know, parts of the neighborhood that I, I hadn't before. I found an artist. Uh, I called the the number of an artist who had a street side gallery. He had different carvings and different sculptures and a phone number um, just on a sign on the side of the sidewalk. And I called it because there was a piece of art there that I really, really wanted. And um, it turned out that these, um, these, uh, you know, those packing cubes, like you're, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, um, oh, shipping container. There were like yeah. three shipping mm-hmm. containers beside an empty, like dirt field behind the hotel. And I call this and yeah. this artist comes out to the street. I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but whatever. Artist comes out <laughs> on the street and uh, and he's speaking in French. And I just, you know, had this sense that I could trust this person. And mm-hmm. this little girl comes up to him and is like, Papa, Papa. And he's walking me to the shipping container. And I'm like, I'm by myself in West Africa. I speak French, but I, do I know enough French to call for an emergency? Where the fuck? person this stranger mm-hmm. taking me and I go in and it's mm-hmm. it's a art studio in the shipping can in the shipping container it's all these like middle upper middle aged men um banging metal soldering soldering wires and putting together all these these um sculptures out of scrap metal and these little girls running around in their school uniforms calling out papa or uncle and looking free and and I could communicate with them in French about art and about commissioning art and who buys his art and where does it show up versus where does he live and I think not having that responsibility of of the others feeling secure in myself kind of opened up this mental freedom that allowed language to flow and allowed a certain ease of communication and openness yeah. I was more in touch with, with culture. I don't remember what the fuck your original question was, but that's what came up. I don't know either, but I like where you got. So, and it just, I mean, I was thinking about how, you know, it's like you arrived at independence, but, you know, I was talking, having a conversation yesterday with my dad or two days ago, and we were using the word independence or I had proposed the word independence and he said, no, 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 substitute independence for liberation. And there's a different kind of um, confidence in that space, right? Because once you say something like independence, you know, so I said back to him, I was like, true, true. You know, I feel that because once you start saying independence, you have to think about dependence. You have to think about interdependence, right? And he said, yes, as humans, we're always interdependent. And I said, yeah, we want to get away from any colonial understanding of in, and independence and dependence. And there's something powerful in liberation. And as I want to say that hearing that story and thinking about how your 2020 is shifting and morphing is that perhaps you're arriving in a space of, 
um, singular liberation. And that is a beautiful space to arrive in. And I can't wait to hear what, what Bonjay has to share. I can't wait to hear what any of your alter egos have to share in, in a musical space. And so maybe we stop this conversation here. Hi, this is Elena Stewart of Bonjay, and you're listening to For Posterity with Rhythm Writer. Salut, c'est Elena de Bonjay, et vous écoutez à For Posterity avec Rhythm Writer. Yo, c'est Elena, and it's For Posterity avec Rhythm Writer. I'm the Rhythm Writer, and this is For Posterity. Mm -hmm. 